Hey everyone, it is recording. Um, Jeremy, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, okay, so uh, just for everyone that lis that's listening, or will listen actually, we're doing this via Zoom, um, so hopefully it'll run smoothly, but uh, I'm here with Jeremy Leonard, and I'm gonna let Jeremy talk about himself, and then we can go into how we met but uh yeah we finally have another guest yay so exciting um carol i'm so glad you're doing this podcast um i think like me and and justin and, and everyone has been like encouraging you to do this for a long time um just because like you're so good at talking about stuff um i thought i thought you were going to do a true crime pod podcast um just because you like i don't know when i when i met you at the office we worked at you would always be like have a smile on your face and be kind of working. And then we'd be like, what are you listening to, Carol? And you'd be like, oh, you know, like this guy, like dismembered like four, four women in like Brooklyn and I'm listening to this case. And we're like, good Lord. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I'm just like listening about death, you know, <laughs> just prepping. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So so I, we always joke that like you would, you would create a podcast called Carol's Coffin and but um, I'm so excited that you're you're doing this podcast about design. I think the two of us are like love to talk about what we do and um, you know, yeah, what, we, what I, we love, you know. Yeah, I thought about doing the 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 serial kind of killer podcast, but I think it's becoming so popular to be honest mm -hmm. that it's like almost irrelevant to do it. I feel like we can't. I feel like I would be just part of the bunch. Not that the design stuff is not like really popular and super overrated probably but um yeah I am I'm excited to do it I I just love talking to a microphone for 20 minutes whether people like it or not you're gonna have to hear it <laughs> but no, it's, it's, Jeremy no, you want to talk about it yourself a little bit um sure I I guess you would you would ask me to do that and I kind of avoided it because I'm I'm like I don't like talking about myself um but yeah I'm you know, I'm a architect in training still. I still haven't finished all my exams. Um, but, you know, I was living with, in New York. Uh, that's where I met Carol, um, your lovely host. Um, and, you know, moved back to North Carolina. I'm working at a small design office called Institute Studio. Um, we do, um, you know, small projects, small residential work. Um, I'm also teaching at, at NC State, um, kind of part-time. So, I don't know. I think I've always... I've always had kind of like an omnivorous set of interests. Um, you know, I grew up always wanting to be an architect, but I also always loved music. Um, I always loved like filmmaking and, and learning about how like stuff is made. So I don't know. I I'm a designer. I'm an I'm an architect, but I also have um, just a lot of interests across the board. Yeah. I think actually now that um, you know. I want to put this out there. I think Jeremy is one of my closest friends that has multiple interests that are not just uh, into the architecture world. Like, I feel like all of us have them, but they're not so, I mean, maybe vivid or they're not so strong. Well, you have really strong passions that are outside of the design, but they're still super creative. So I think that's, um, that's super cool because we talk about a lot of stuff together. Uh, yeah. The most interesting thing I think is, first of all, I need to like close the door. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Carol's going to close the door, make it quieter. Yeah, I feel like I hear uh, a radio. Um, 
but me and Jeremy also met through a firm that we worked for for a really long time. And uh, we're actually, we're all really good friends with also Justin and Erica and Anna, Jeremy's wife is uh, also part of the group. And yeah, unfortunately, since you guys moved away, we don't get to hang out as much. Uh, but I feel like even if we text once every six months, uh, it's, it's always like the same, nothing has changed. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think about this a lot. It's like, um, like proximity and how important it is. And I mean, that was one of the main reasons we moved. Like we wanted to be close to family and proximal to family, right? Um, but the, the trade-off and I think the saddest part is like we we're not as close to our friends uh, in New York, like, you know, yeah. Carol, Justin, and Erica. We had, a, we had a really good friend group, so. Yeah, um, good times. I know, we're, we're hoping we can, um, you know, make our way up to New York at least once a year. Um, I think it'll be a little easier when my toddler is uh, <laughs> through through some of her growing moments. And um, but you know we 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 always debate we're like you know, should we fly up to New York just for the weekend and like you know our daughter can stay with our with my dad or or, or Anna's mom. You know it's like no you know all of our friends are going to want to see Julian. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But we should also try to make our way to find, like, to come visit you guys. I think that's that would be nice because I feel like you have this thing where you, after a while that you're in New York, you just need to like leave. You need to get out. And immediately too. Mm-hmm. Like I get that every three months. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a it's a love hate thing. You you love it and then you you hate it, but then you love it, and it's it's an it's an intense relationship with the city for sure. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I I think I'm having the I'm at the end where I'm like, yeah, I don't love you anymore. <laughs> I'm like, mm, yeah, I think I'm in love with someone else. It's called Rome. <laughs> I mean, it. How can you not love Rome? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, we uh, Carol and I actually also figured out at one point um, because Carol born and raised in Rome, and I had done this like study abroad trip to Rome. And I was like talking about some of the bars I went to and you're like, oh, that's my favorite bar. And then I was talking about this like street I liked. You're like, oh, I lived on that street. I'm like, you lived on that street? It's like, so jealous that you got to grow up in Rome. Um, yeah, yeah. Super good cool. Place. Good place, guys, good place. Um, but yeah, so because Jeremy has all these interests, he is bringing something really cool, I think, to the podcast today. Um, and I'm gonna let you take the lead, but let me just say we're going to talk about music yes specifically obviously an object about music but I'm going to let you take the lead on this and then as you guys know we're going to just probably ramble for another 30 well we have like a limited amount (laughs) because I have the free zoom so we probably have to like do 40 minutes max but we're I feel like me and Jeremy can go for seven hours so that we have a (laughs) that we have a hard stop yeah yeah I you know we can definitely talk forever. Um, I think, yeah, so the object I'm bringing today, um, it's it's a cassette, a cassette tape. I don't have the physical cassette in front of me, but I can like still kind of imagine it, you know, the the tape inside of it, like shaking around. And I remember like pushing this cassette into the cassette player, like a, a bunch when I was a kid. Um, the cassette is the Beatles Abbey Road. Um, and, you know, I think we can talk forever about like the tangibility of music and and what it means. Um, I also think like 
music has this like intangibility that you can't really like fully summarize in words. It's like, um, it's like, I think when I was talking to you about this and we were discussing this topic, I was like, you know, I think music is so tied to memory and, um, and I think memory itself is like a creative act in a lot of ways. Like we're not computers. Like we don't, we don't remember things, you know, perfectly. We actually like kind of recombine things in our head and like put them back together. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, like on top of a, a lot of my memories is like the Beatles music. It's like grafted into a lot of stuff that I think about. And yeah. it's just because they were like, they were omnipresent in my life. You know, it was like this cassette tape of Abbey Road. Like we'd, we'd have it in our car when we we're, you know, my mom was going to the grocery store with me or like, you know, my dad was driving me off to like a music thing that he would play at. So I, I, I feel like the Beatles were like, almost like a measurement of time for me. Like I, I could kind of splice my life up and think about my life through, through their music. And so they're, they're incredibly important to me. And I think like there was a period of my life where I kind of rebelled against them. Like when I was a, you know, early, early on in high school, I was like, oh, another kid's music, you know, children's yeah. music. Because I associated so much with my childhood. And then my dad was like, you're wrong. And he like put on Revolver, their album, um, 1966 album, you know, Revolver in it. I listened to it on headphones. My dad's like, go listen to this. You're going to like it. And it just like completely blew me away. I was like, oh my, you know, all this indie music that I liked at the time that I thought was way cooler. I was like, oh, they all get all their stuff from the Beatles, you know? Of course. Yeah. Um, they're, they're kind of like the, the template for, for a lot of sounds that we are so used to. Um, so I, I kind of became obsessed. And around that same time, my dad, um, he rented some DVDs from, from this record store. And it was basically like the, it was the Beatles anthology. It was like this six hour documentary about the Beatles and their music and how they made it. And I just got obsessed. I'm like, oh, I can see actually how they, how they created this stuff. Not, it's not just this like stuff I'm hearing. It's like real people spent hundreds and thousands of hours like crafting this music that I love so I became really obsessed yeah and, and I think I, they always gave you joy like every time you would have a bad moment at work I feel like you mm -hmm. would always tell me like oh I'm gonna put the Beatles on and it's gonna be okay and they, I thought they, that was quite beautiful because I don't I for some reason when I'm sad I just put like sad music there's no um happy music that I can put on except maybe, and this is kind of like a TMI, but lately I'm like, Machine Gun Kelly, will will do that. Am I supposed to be ashamed of this? <laughs> no, Machine Gun Kelly is awesome. Um, he, I mean, he's basically trying to make like Blink-182 when no one else is making that stuff. So, right. you know, Travis Barker plays, he's the drummer, right? He plays drums on Machine Gun Kelly. You know, so it's like, I love that stuff too. So there's no shame. I think there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. I, I really do. I think like you love it and that's that's completely fine. As long as you love something that's authentic, that's true to you. So like there's no there's no guilty pleasures. Um, but yeah, I anyway, so I became obsessed with the Beatles and especially how they worked, like how they collaborated. Mm -hmm. And it was around this time that I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do with my life and I was obsessed with film and like Lord of the Rings. I watched like the hundreds of hours of special features that they have on those DVDs of like how they made the movies. I'm like, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. And then I was like, no, I want to be a musician. Um, 
And then I was like, oh, architecture is kind of like the, the midpoint between all this stuff. Cause it's like, yeah, that's, that's what I thought too. But I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's both the rational side of your brain and it's the irrational side of your brain. Right. And I, that's what we like, I guess. Yeah. It's like you, you have this like incredibly complex problem and you're trying to solve it. And there are multiple solutions. There's only one, maybe one that's better than the rest, but like you have to kind of unearth it. Um, and I think for a long time, I, I kind of considered music to be more of an art form than a design, than a design discipline. But the more I've like um, learned about the Beatles, the more I've like actually made my own music, the more I've started to actually consider music to be a, a more of a design discipline where you're like, you're not solving a problem per se, but you are, you know, you're creating space with sound. That's that, really cool to, to hear you say that. That's a very yeah. cool observation. I've never thought of it that way. Like you're, when you're listening to music, you're occupying the space between the notes and you're like inside that, that soundscape. So like, and it evokes an emotional reaction. So it's probably more art than it is design. But I think like the collaboration of making music is very related to like how you and I work together or like how kind of any designer works with other people, so. Right, I feel like any type of artistic discipline has a lot of design, like it's design, right? Because even when you're making like an art, let's say a painting, maybe yeah. painters are like, what the, why is she even saying this? But I'm like, I'm sure the process of making the painting is for me design, no? Like that's how I feel about things. Yeah, I mean, well, I think a lot of people think like, oh, art is pure, it's purely irrational and that's not true. It's like painting, for example, has color theory and it's like, you know, like certain colors can vibrate next to each other if they're like paired right. correctly. And I think some artists like Dali or whatever, you know, like he kind of understood that stuff instinctually. But then you have, you know, people like Joseph Alberts who did the homage to a square where it's like, no, that that's literally almost a scientific study of color, but it's a painting and it's beautiful. So it's like, I think you can be equally rational with art as just as you can be irrational. And so, and, and music too, like there's, there's a technical side to it. There's music theory. Like just from the start that you have to know how to use an instrument. That's to me like rational already. Cause you can, you can't like just wing it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a skill. And like you, um, you, you get better over time if you like put the work in and then like what I've been learning when I've been making my own music, which, you know, it's a whole another thing, but like making music is so technical. Like you have to, the distance the mic is from the, um, from the performer or like the specific effects to use like compression or distortion and like all these different things you can do to like change the sound and morph it. It's, it's super technical. And to bring it back to the Beatles, a lot of these techniques were, mm -hmm. were developed by by the group, especially their recording engineer, uh, Jeff Emmerich, who was like mm -hmm. 19 years old when he worked with them on Revolver. And it was like, you know, he would basically kind of say yes to all their ideas and would try to like make them work. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think actually that that's a good uh, transition into like one of the first lessons I, I think I learned from them, um, mm -hmm. like create, creatively, which is this like idea of saying yes to things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I would say probably you and I probably both get really frustrated when we're working with someone and they just say no and we don't understand why. And it's like, yeah. And we were, I was just talking to 
Justin and Erica last night. And I, and I think we, we just, and I want to put it out there for everyone who's listening. I think me and you are very, very emotional. Like we, we were the more emotional of the three, like maybe, I don't even, I think me and you would alternate days. Like some days you were extremely emotional. Some days you were like collide and probably have this trash tornado blow up in Justin's face. And then it was like me, it was just, I kind of miss that. I really miss that because I don't have anybody to like, like that in my office. Part of me is like, maybe it's better for like a professional level, but I'm on a, like an emotional, sentimental friendship kind of level. I miss that. Um, right. And, and it, I think a lot of it, you know, whenever I would get emotional would come from like frustration by being told something wasn't possible when like, I'm like, well, that, it, I think it's one thing to say like something's not possible. It's another thing to say, like, there's a kernel of what you're saying that could be interesting. Let's like bounce, let's bounce off of that and like kind of take your idea, the, the kernel of your idea and like turn it to something else. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's the basis of a lot of collaboration. It's like someone says something kind of wild and you're like, I think that the instinct is to say like, hell no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I think is fascinating about like the Beatles and kind of like everybody they worked with, you know, they worked with like George Martin, who was their producer and he was kind of like he was older than them I think he was like at least 10 years older than them maybe 20 I mean I, I actually never I never pinned that down but he was like of a different kind of generation right but he but he would basically like kind of say yes to all their ideas like on on revolver John was like I want to play a song all with, with one chord like basically I want to strum the chord of C throughout the whole song and any any other musician would be like that's that's so stupid <laughs> but but uh George Martin was like okay let's try it and then they created the song Tomorrow Never Knows which is like which was kind of this like watershed moment in rock rock and roll music maybe I'm actually talking about Revolver more more so than Abbey Road today but I do I always oscillate between like which is my favorite album um yeah like which is your favorite do you have a favorite like if you had to pick one it, the nuke is coming and you gotta <laughs> say one <laughs> if, if the nuke is coming if the nuke is coming and I have like 10 minutes to live, I would probably put on um, probably the back half, the last half of Abbey Road where all the songs like blend together and they like mm. took in the studio, piece together a bunch of songs. You know, You Never Give Me Your Money, Sun King, like all the songs put together is like a perfect 15 minutes of music. Is All You Need, in lo uh, all you need Is Love in Abbey Road? That is... That is off of Magical Mystery Tour, but it was like a single they released it at a random time. Because I, I sometimes feel life works really weird. I was, this morning I was running some errands and you don't really listen to the Beatles that often, like on the radio, right? But I, but they play yeah. All You Need Is Love. And I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about the Beatles with Jeremy. That's, I don't know. Sometimes life works in a weird way. Um, I thought that it was does. freaky, but freaky in a good way, you know? I mean I tend to find that like they'll they'll kind of pop up at random times and I'm like this is appropriate you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um but yeah anyway like this just this idea of like saying yes to things I think it's like if your instinct is just to try something I think that makes things so much easier for everybody like even if something is on on the surface not a good idea um and I, I always think of this moment um that I read about like when John and John Lennon and Paul McCartney, like the, the for those of you who don't know, like the two main songwriters of the Beatles, right? Very, very famous. I had a, my coworker doesn't know the Beatles. 
And I was so shocked because she, I was like, I'm gonna go to a Paul McCartney concert. She's like, who is that? And I almost died inside. <laughs> oh my God. Cause I was like, oh man, how do you not know who Paul McCartney is? Seriously. But, um, but anyway, the two of them used to write songs like really collaboratively together. And they were writing the song, I wanna hold your hand. And they're like both sitting at the piano. They're like almost like two inches away from each other and they're both writing, you know, and he's like, oh yeah, I tell you something. I think you'll understand. And like on that word, understand, they play this chord that's like outside of the key. Mm -hmm. And I think Paul played it or something. And John looked at him and was like, that's the one, like, that's so cool. Like, what did you just do? And so I think any more technically trained musician would be like, mm -mm, no, like this is, this is wrong. Like we can't do this, but right. they, they liked the contrast that it created with the other, with the melody line. They like, they liked how it was like off kilter. And maybe they didn't like understand the theory, but they like, they had listened, they had loved music enough that they understood that there was something like kind of weird about it. So yeah, I, I've always loved that. I, I, I've always loved this idea that like, just try something out. And like, if it doesn't work, it'll at least lead to something. No, I, I I'm absolutely, I mean, I kind of like, this is how I did this, right? I just woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I've been talking about it with my friends for so long. I just need, I need to do this. And if it doesn't work out, I'm not doing it for anybody but myself and you guys, if you're enjoying it, you know what I mean? Like if you guys want to talk about stuff. So I actually appreciated when you sent me like notes about this episode where you plugged this moment because I... I think me and you bonded over that a lot too during work. It's like, what, why is it, why are things, why can't we just try, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, and fail then not try at all. Like, right. and we were at work specifically, we were willing to put the time in to do those things. So it was a yeah. little um, confusing, but nonetheless, yeah. I, well, I, I agree on this thought process. Like I'm really diving in with all my, like, whole body into this um mentality which I've developed a lot since I moved here to New York to be honest mm -hmm. I think or I think it's as much as I hate the United States <laughs> <laughs> like with all my heart um it they do make you feel like saying yes is a possibility yeah yeah I to me like any collaboration I try to do I always try to like say yes to people just because it's like even if I disagree it's like hold on like let give them a chance like right give this idea a chance right and just kind of let it let it flow for a second it, it might not work but it might like lead to something else or let you know force you to see something in another way um and so like really all my most productive collaborations that I've ever had with other people um have involved kind of like that back and forth of like kind of hitting a ball back and forth is kind of, of course, like what it feels yeah. what it feels like where you're like how about this and they're like that you know something about that doesn't work because of this code issue but like try this and you know so you just kind of bat it back and forth and it, you kind of maintain the energy of that which is like kind of to me the most important thing about saying yes um and this is another musician um you know very very different genre but i've always heard that like kanye west is that way Oh, interesting. 
Yeah. And it was really controversial. Is it, I haven't really followed, but something really bad happened recently with him, right? It, it's so disappointing being a fan of his and watching him just kind of Crap. mess up all the time. Exactly. It's like, Kanye, just delete Instagram and just be quiet. Because yeah. he's such a prodigy and um, just, I mean, so skilled. I've, I've heard like when he works with you or when he works with people, he just basically like, he brings this energy that like brings the best out in people. Like I, I saw this interview with Pusha T who like worked with him on a bunch of stuff, of course, but you know, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Basically they were like, Kanye comes into a room and he just like, he'll say yes to whatever you say and like encourage you to keep, keep going. Um, and in, in a way, like when you're collaborating on, when you're collaborating on music, like it is like a design challenge. It's like, how can this piece fit into this of other course. piece? Of course, yeah, of course. And I think it's really easy to say no. And I think Kanye's mentality is like, try saying yes and see what happens. And it'll like lead somewhere interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's, I think that's something someone should also take with them, not only with, within the design process of whatever design, you know, aspect people are working on, but just in general in life, like it's better to say yes than to say no most of the times. Obviously this needs to be taken with a grain of salt, but because um, there's always exceptions. But I think in general, especially with all the doom scrolling, like, I think we should say yes <laughs> yeah i mean it's to to bring it back to architecture it's like um you know venturi's and you know denise scott brown's like you know yes and kind of mentality right where you right. you know that that was kind of a design philosophy of theirs where they would like you know have these con contradicting you know objectives and they would say yes to both of them and right. it would lead to what Venturi would call like a, um, I'm gonna butcher it. I'm always so bad with like the actual specific names of things and it, I feel like it holds me back. Anyway, Venturi called it like, uh, he had a better word for it, but it was like a complex whole or something like that where, where basically the thing um, achieved two things, achieved them both well, but wasn't like perfect. Right. But because of that imperfection, it made it like a better, work of architecture so yeah because um, I think we need to let go of the perfectionist side too like I think we need well maybe I shouldn't say that <laughs> because we are building buildings but mm -hmm. sometimes like when it comes to design I think the perfectionist in us like holds us back sometimes because we don't we don't get to see like the end product because we're so focused on having it being perfect mm -hmm. yeah I mean I'm I'm the first to admit that my perfectionism gets in the way of stuff. So I, feel like I sometimes need to take this lesson to heart too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like though we balanced each other very well, me, you, and Justin. And just for everybody who's listening, me, Jeremy, and Justin worked on a lot of projects together mm -hmm. uh, or just for a long time together and not necessarily not a lot of projects, but we were like for two years, maybe three, like inseparable um, but I think we balance each other very well because I'm not that perfect. Like I actually have like, no, like, I don't know. I'm weird in some perfectionist in some things, like the way you name a file, like really, <laughs> <laughs> really makes like triggers me. So critical. Uh, 
but I'm not perfection in many other things, but I think like we would balance each other out very well because of this. Yeah. I don't even know. I feel like, I feel like you and Justin were the superstars and I was just like the clown (laughs) trying to make you guys laugh. Uh, I love how Erica called us like the trio of Harry Potter. You're Harry (laughs) Potter. Justin is Ron. And I am like uh, Hermione, but like mean. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Hermione, but mean. I don't know. I feel like, I I feel like the roles would rotate sometimes. Like sometimes I could be Ron. Sometimes like you could be Ron. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we I would. Agree. I think we would. I think we could rotate a lot. <laughs> I feel um, like I wasn't Hermione at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I disagree with that. I think you would like. You would bring this like. I don't know knowledge. I mean, you know, in art, I guess in architecture, it's like there's all these different ways of approaching a problem, and I think like you really excelled at the floor plan and organization and making something like really efficient. And then like Justin would sometimes, Justin and I would sometimes like ignore that and be like, no, we got to like make it look good. But then you're like, but it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that was the Hermione in you where you'd be like, okay, we actually have to make this work. It can't just be like beautiful, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, and, th- and that's, I, I, I don't actually call that saying no. I think that's, that's like, saying yes, but, or, you know, so it's not yes and, it's yes, but, where you're like, yes, we can do that, but we got to think about these things. Right, think, right. It's like, yes, but we need to massage. Exactly. And then, and then you find something in the middle that like achieves both and, and that's exciting. And I think the best things, you know, kind of do that. They like achieve many things really well. And it's, it's really hard to find that like exact moment. Oh man, we just got the timer. Oh my God, we got that timer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Okay. Minute, but maybe people are like the God. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, like shut, thank you shut God, up, only 10 minutes of these two. I, I think, well, we're saying yes to the time limit. We could always jump back on a Zoom call, but I think we should like, say I yes mean, to the time limit. Whenever and... you want to do another episode, I'm super, I mean, this oh. is actually a good excuse also to like be in touch because me and Jeremy actually like text once in a while in the group chats. Well, like part, stuff, part of that is my problem. I'm, I'm like, I'm terrible at text texting because oh, I'm same, like, same, same, same. If someone texts me, sometimes it'll take me days to get back, and then I like get back and like, this wasn't a conversation, and it was my fault because I let it sit. And uh, sorry, my cat is like trying to tear down the door. Classic. <laughs> Carol and I both have cats, and both of our cats are kind of, kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, um, yeah. So, so we talked for a while about the Beatles saying yes to each other. Um, I think that's like that was a big key to their collaboration. I think like on the opposite end of things, like I mean, we were just talking about Harry, Ron, Hermione. I think another really cool thing about about that group is like they were actually very different people, you know. So, you know, when 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 you analyze like John Lennon and Paul McCartney as as the two main songwriters, like John is. John has this like wit and this like bitterness about him that that is very different than Paul. Paul is like almost joyful and cute. Um, and then like you look at their so so that affects their lyrics and and kind of the mood of their music. Um, but then you kind of look at um, 
the way they wrote melodies, like, you know, you brought up all you need is love, right? That's a very, like, all you need is love. It's, it's a very tight melody. It's, there's almost no variation. It's like, oh, there's like a little, right. little movement it's at the end. It's actually very true, yeah. So like a musicologist would call that like a horizontal melody, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's really tight. And John is this genius at building contrast where he'll, he'll play this really tight melody. And it's all you need is love, all you need is love. All you need is love, love. Love is all you need. So it makes that like thing at the very end really special because it's like held back so tightly for a while. Um, and then Paul, he's like all about verticality and, and movement. So, you know, like, hey, Jude, don't make it bad. You know, so it's like, take a sad song and make it better. You know, so it like so much movement up and down. Um, and my singing today is terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> your singing is always good. I, I think, I think you're too hard on yourself. Not, not doing it justice today. I'm like a little hoarse or something. But anyway, so, so Paul, Paul has these like vertical melodies and like when the two of them would come together, you know, later in their collaboration, like when they were working on Abbey Road, they, they had kind of like already created songs and they were just kind of like, you know, providing feedback. Um, but I think that that difference between the two of them was really important. Like when John brought, apparently when John brought the song come together to the band, it was, it was like a straight up ripoff of a Chuck Berry song. Oh. And yeah, it was like, he literally just ripped it off. And like, John would do that a lot because he would, he would do what's called like a pastiche of something else where he would like literally take it and like make it his own. Mm -hmm. And literally down to like some of the lyrics are identical to Chuck Berry. And Paul was like, whoa, you can't do that. And so Paul was basically like, okay, let's change the group of this. And then that's when Paul introduced that baseline. Like the boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. You know, so that, that completely changed the, the mood of the song. And it was because like, they would basically kind of tell each other like, yes, let's do the song, but let's like change it up a little bit. Yeah. So, so you can see that whenever they would like collaborate, you know, John would kind of rein in Paul's like really overly melodic tendencies and focus him often with like a really tense horizontal melody line that would happen somewhere in the song. And then Paul would push John to, you know, produce these like really surprising melodies. Like, like the song, like I am the walrus, you know, like I am the walrus, <laughs> you know, so it's got that bit. It's, it's very like simple musically. And then right in the middle of it, it, ha it has this like bridge that like blows you away. It's like more beautiful than most bands entire catalog. You know, it's like sitting in an English garden waiting for the sun. And so it's like this whole other song that was just like collaged into the other one. And it's like, clearly it was probably Paul that did that. And it was like doing that, like completely switches up the song and like gives it this whole, whole new like angle. And I think they would often do that, like kind of collage stuff together and like that's what made it interesting and surprising. And I think that's kind of like the key, even in Harry Potter or design <laughs> in general. Like, I think the collision of similar people for some, you know, for some things, but complete different people is what makes something like the Beatles successful or the three of us. I think we were very successful, even though we were probably not understood. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I, I think you had, again, like this vast knowledge of technical space planning. Mm -hmm. And Justin had this like incredible eye for proportions. Yeah. And I, I felt like I was kind of in the middle, like trying to. I agree. I think you were bridge. in the middle. I think you were like the glue. <laughs> I, I mean, I really think music is this way, architecture is this way. There's like all these technical things you have to resolve. There's all this, you know, aesthetic, proportional, um, experiential things you have to resolve. They're all inter intertwined, but you have to like find this wicked solution that like does it all. And I think that's, that's like the essence of any collaboration. And I okay. think like, um, so like complementing strengths, um, so hard to do, but you know, I think it's, it's possible if you like are, are, are okay with speaking your mind and like other people are okay with say like, yes. if you, if you say yes, and it can be their yes. And which, which would be that kind of like improvisational comedy technique of like building off of ideas or you say yes, but where you're like, let's take the kernel of that idea, but make it work. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is a really good note to end. And we have just a couple of minutes to <laughs> say goodbye. Yes. And I can't thank you enough, Jeremy, for being on the podcast. I hope you're going to, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I hope everyone who's listening enjoyed it. Um, as mentioned on Instagram, the Instagram is called listen to DM. We love to hear feedback. So if you guys have any feedback about the episode of me and Jeremy, next time we do an episode, we'll, we'll take it in consideration. Maybe they're like, like, don't talk so much about yourself. <laughs> if you're like, Jeremy sucks, don't have him back. Like it's totally fine. <laughs> we're like, it's totally fine. We'll take it in consideration. Maybe not listen. Who knows? Uh, no, we're kidding. We always love the feedback. Uh, Please make sure to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Um, and if you can, rate the show if you want with like a one to five. We like the five, but if you think five's it's a one, give it a one. Uh, and thank you so much, Jeremy, for being on it, on it and bringing such a very interesting uh, subject that like intertwines a lot of things. Oh, I, I'm so excited that you invited me to do this. Um, so glad we can make it work. Um, we're both, we're both, we both find ways to stay really busy. Um, but I'm so glad we could reconnect and I'm planning on coming to New York soon. Just got to get Anna and I like to coordinate our calendars better so we can like book a flight and do it. But can't wait. Would, you know, you always have a home here. I, and, and likewise, anytime you're in Raleigh, please, um, like you're always, you're always welcome here. We're trying to convince you and Justin and Erica and everybody to move down here. So I know. I just hope we don't get nuked. That's all. <laughs> if, we get, if we get nuked, we'll we'll just be dead a little earlier than we thought. But it's okay. Yeah. Oh my God! Less than a minute. We gotta get off. Uh, okay. Well, the nuke is coming. Bye. Love you all. Thanks Thank you so much, much Carol. Thank you. Until, until next time. Next time.